Hello and welcome to the Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings and every episode I have the distinct privilege of presenting E.C. with a question on subject matters that range from nutrition to fitness to the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles at play and the actions worth carrying out as a result, we aim to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you as always for tuning into the show and how are you, E.C.? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Today we're going to talk about loopholes, not the legislative kind, Correct. the diet kind, <laughs> the diet kind. We're not, we don't have enough time to fix legislative loopholes. No. And so we're going to talk about cheating on your diet basically and why folks do it and maybe some reasons uh, or some ways that we can avoid looking for loopholes and looking for shortcuts. Before we do, as we often talk about here at the beginning of the show, you have something new. You often have new things no. that you're working on, that you're offering. Folks who aren't trying to build something might not understand, but mostly building things, <laughs> building a brand, building a business mostly is, I'm going to throw this one up against the wall and see if it sticks. So you've got something that I'm actually really excited about. You've got a member site or a membership service that you're working on. Let's tell folks about it. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of bonus content to my email list. And so I'm going to switch a lot of that bonus content to my member site. And, and then, of course, also still continue with the email list in some form. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be at members.optimizemenutrition.com. And the idea is, you know, kind of this more in-depth look at some of the topics they generally kind of come off of the podcast, like kind of a spin-off question or topic yep. of a podcast. So that will continue. I also want to offer another Q&A to that audience as well. And I see that this member site would also have different add-ons throughout the year, maybe a couple diet tune-ups during the year, a couple diet challenges, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's for the person who wants to, you know, just get, get a little bit deeper into the nutrition yeah. topics. And so, yeah, to check it out, if people are interested, they can get their first month free with the coupon first month. And there'll be a link in the show notes, I think. That's right. And for folks who don't know, I see how much work goes into just prepping for these episodes. And so I'm excited for you to be able to share, you know, we intentionally keep these episodes to about 20 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more there when you actually dig into it. And so I'm excited for those folks who want it to be able to start getting access to the sort of the deeper dives. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Talking about loopholes and cheating on your diet today. Let's define some terms. What do you mean by loopholes? Yeah, when I when I think about loopholes, I think about shortcuts, you mm -hmm. know, a, a way that you can be technically correct according to the letter of the law, yet miss the big picture. And, you know, in the, the big picture in the nutrition sense is what's the physiological effect? Do you, did you get the weight loss? Did you get the mass gain? Did you get the better performance? And a loophole would sort of bring in that check the box mentality phenomenon, mm -hmm. like checking the box. Yeah, I go to the gym five days a week. But I end up spending most of the time scrolling on my phone. I mean, sure, you put the clothes on, you're at the gym, but you aren't really doing anything with any sort of dose that's going to get the change in your physique. So, so that's what I mean when I say loophole. And what do they look like when we're talking about or thinking about diet and nutrition? Why or where there are loopholes in, in, in this particular realm? Yeah, diets definitely have loopholes. You know, people need to understand that diets are not the same thing as how your physiology works, right? Like. Mm. Diets are simple. <laughs> Your physiology is not. And, and no. I've said it before, but a great way to think about diets, they're the shorthand way to get the physiology right. A shorthand way to control quality and quantity in the diet. And to take an example, eliminating added sugar is certainly a way that you can control for some level of quantity and quality in, one diet, in one's diet. And it makes things super simple when you walk into the kitchen. It makes things very black and white, what mm -hmm. you're allowed to eat, what you're not allowed to eat. 
That's just not how physiology works, though. Physiology is not black and white. It's nuanced, and in your body can handle sugar. And yes, the chemical structure of fructose in your fruit is the same as the fructose in the candy bar, but the nuance there is that nobody eats fructose, right? They <laughs> eat fruit or they eat the candy bar, and that contains a varying amount of fructose and a bunch of other components in it. Mm -hmm. And what those components are and how much there are of them matter. And so you can already see that this explanation of the nuance becomes rather lengthy. And so, lengthy. And so the person who wants this, you know, quick diet tip, they're going to want something more simple. They're going to mm -hmm. want the black and white, but yet in the end, it's that lack of accuracy. It's that lack of nuance that creates this faulty yes-no system. Mm. Are there common you know, categories of loopholes that maybe we can look at or think about or, or try, to, try to work our way around? Yeah, I was thinking about like how to explain the various loopholes that I see in the different diets. And I, I think there's kind of two broad categories for how loopholes sort of play out in real life. And the first one is, you know, what's a loophole that allows me to do less work? <laughs> mm, yep. And the second would be, what's a loophole that allows me to eat the foods that I want, which are probably restricted on this diet? <laughs> mm -hmm. So either less work or like, let me do what I want, even though I'm not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is kind of two, two sides of the same coin. Totally. Yeah, right? true. Yeah. True. In some ways. The first one of how do I do less work there seems to be this natural thought process, and I, I would love to know if it's, you know, more of a human nature thing or more of it's a kind of a cultural American thing. You know, it's hard to say because obviously I have a biased view of that. But there's this mm -hmm. natural thought process of like when we start something that's a change, like how can I make this more convenient? How can I make this easier? How can I do yeah. less of a change than what I'm prescribed to do? How can I make the change the least drastic? You know, and and from an evolutionary perspective, that makes a lot of sense. I think it helped yeah. keep us safe in a lot of ways. Like, let's make this environment less austere. Let me protect myself from the lions and the storms and the heat extremes, right? And there's also tons of these continuous improvements that happen in terms of businesses and efficiency and how do I we cut costs to make things more economical. Like, that's all really good. I think what's interesting is in terms of reaching weight, health, and performance goals, it doesn't work that way. It's quite mm. the opposite. And I think we talked about this in the Why It's Okay to Be Hungry podcast. But the degree of change from where you are now to where you want to be speaks to how much work you're going to have to put into the effort. You know, if you're already a top athlete or you have already the, the chiseled six-pack abs or whatever, you don't really have to put in more work. Yes, you're doing a ton of work, but it's really kind of like the degree of change of where you need to go. There's no more degree of change. You just kind of have to keep maintaining. Yeah. Yep. But when you have someone who has a significant amount of weight to lose, that's that's a big change from where they currently are. If you have zero muscle-ups and want 10, you're going to have to put in a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just important to point out that what might benefit us in like a business or convenience sense doesn't really come with the same ROI for weight, health, and performance. And I think a classic example in nutrition, to kind of bring this back to the diet loopholes, and I get this a lot, you know, with the 800-gram challenge is like, why do I have to eat the fruits and veggies? Like, why can't I just take the supplement or the powders, mm. you know? Or even like, why doesn't dried fruit count? Why can't I just have the dried fruit and then drink the water as a chaser? <laughs> <laughs> I have not thought of doing that, but yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> yeah, I've even heard that for like the roasted vegetables, right? Like yeah. the water weight's reduced. So why don't I eat the roasted vegetables and then drink the water and get the total <laughs> weight combined? Yep. And, you know, the black and white interpretation of that to go back to like the, the rules, right? Like 
yeah, you are getting the water. Yeah, you are getting the, the, the nutrients. The specific nuance in that case is the digestion process isn't the same for the glass of water plus powder as it is for the, the combined fruit with water in it. And it's just interesting that our mind kind of jumps to that conclusion, right? Like, well, why can't I just do it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why can't I just do it this way? Why can't I just make it, quote, easier? And we sort of all naturally go there in some ways. And, you know, ultimately what happens kind of with those, the powders plus the water is, is you end up being more hungry. The digestion process, like I mm-hmm. said, doesn't work the same. It doesn't stay in the stomach quite as long. You don't feel as full. And you're more likely to reach for other things besides fruits and veggies. And I think one more way I'll point out with the 800 gram challenge is another kind of classic loophole in the sense of how can I make this easier? And I'm going to pick on watermelon, although we could do it with another, we could do it with another food. People quickly realize watermelon is heavy (laughs) and tastes delicious. And it's like, well, why don't I just do the entire 800 gram challenge on this? You know, the black and white is yes, that fits the rules. The nuance is, is you've missed the whole diversity of nutrients, diversity of fiber types, diversity of phytochemicals. And so again, that's just sort of a way that, yeah, you can check the box mentality, but you sort of miss miss the bigger picture. Mm. Jokingly, I, I was weighing some grapes the other day and I realized that each grape weighed eight grams. And I thought I could just eat a hundred of these right now and be done for the day. <laughs> Obviously I didn't, but so I feel those who want to do the, the 800 gram watermelon challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had mm-hmm. that thought as well. Okay. That was kind of the first loophole. The yes. second one being, well, let me, let me do this, but let me squeeze in the foods that I would like to eat, please. What is the kind of the context for that one? Yeah, totally. I did another Instagram post that was just sort of like, you know, any diet that has these restrictions of don't eat X, we end up coming with up with all these really odd ways to eat X. (laughs) It's like Mm. keto cereal and sugar-free donuts and paleo ice cream. It's just sort of like, well, this is odd, you know? And that's definitely a common loophole I see that ultimately when we have these kind of restrictive diets is it keeps coming back to the fact that people want to eat their junk food and they're going to find a way to eat the junk food. And again, it kind of has this check the box sort of mentality. It's like, you know, we could, we could pick paleo. It's like, yes, well, I'm eating paleo, even though these brownies are cacao powder, coconut oil, and almond butter, (laughs) right? I mean, that's the black and white. The nuance is you're not going to see the results because the nuance is your physiology is responding to the total caloric need, the total carbs, fat, vitamins, and minerals. And, and doing the, the paleo brownies, you aren't going to get the, the total across all of those categories that you want. You know, you're basically on those paleo variations, eating the standard American diet with more expensive ingredients. <laughs> mm. You know, you just have to kind of call yeah. yourself out. And I see it all the time. Yeah. And this is where following rules blindly is, is a problem, you know. And I don't know, it's funny. And in some sense, like, we want to comply. We want to do the right thing. We want to check the box. But then we also have this side of us where it's like, well, I want to do what I want. And this tastes good. Mm. And this is what I'm going to eat and still follow mm-hmm. the rules. So it's, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy. It's literally the, you know, the angel on one shoulder and yeah. the devil on the other. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. And by design, that's why I kind of put a lot of or very few rules in the 800 gram challenge. You know, I wanted it to be more like a guide than a guru. I think, as you said, in one mm-hmm. of our last podcasts, yeah. you know, I didn't want this sort of check the box mentality, although certainly there's ways to go about it. But in the end of it, like people want to eat these junk foods. You know, I'm, I'm right there with you in the sense of I think they taste good too. They are part of my diet on some days. And, and it's just so funny. It's like, this is all the stuff that we're eating too much of. This is the stuff that people really like. So why are we setting up these diets that are like, don't mm. eat any of them, yeah. right? Because inevitably, you're going to find a way to have the donut, even if it's not allowed on keto, right? It's going to become right. the sugar alcohol variation of the donut or something like that. Right. So 
it, it's just sort of another way that we have these loopholes. Yeah. I don't remember if this is just me putting words in your mouth, but what I think about there is, I think you've said it to me, is just like, let's start with reality and go mm. from there. And that might be something that, again, putting you know words in your mouth or not, but that to me is very much at the heart of a lot of your advice, a lot of your work that you do is, okay, let's start with where humans actually or how humans actually behave. And then let's design something that takes that into, you know, that appreciates that and goes from there. That being said, the million dollar question is, what do we need to do in order to get ourselves beyond, past, around, over the various loopholes that, you know, I've been guilty of all of them myself. Like, how do we get through that, recognizing that they exist? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's this balance we discussed that it's like, I think in the top rated diet of 2021 podcast, we can't expect mm. that everyone's going to understand all of the nuances of physiology. Like I'm not an expert in a ton of fields, yeah. <laughs> right? Like I can't be nuanced in all of the things. So how do we, how do we combat this idea? And it's true. I don't think that everyone needs to be an expert. I don't think everyone mm. needs to know the Krebs cycle to really make progress in their nutrition. But I think one of the good ways to kind of call yourself out is if you have to ask if something counts or not, <laughs> if yeah. it fits or not, if it's allowed or not, or whatever the premise is, you're, you're probably bending the rules, you know? And I get that <laughs> yep. a lot with the 800 gram challenge. Like nobody's asking whether or not the apple counts or the broccoli counts. Like it's always <laughs> like, what about the bean pasta, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, yep. or what about like this product made with, you know, blueberries? And you're like, no, that's a product, right? And that's why you had to ask. And yeah. and the black and white there is it's like, yeah, you're still getting the blueberry nutrients in the blueberry oatmeal. But the problem is now that it's been put into this product that it changes the overall different nutrients you're getting, different calories you're getting, you know, and it changes how much you would eat of that item compared to just eating the blueberries. Yeah, that reminds me of like when my three-year-old or almost four-year-old <laughs> asked me if he can do something. And the fact that he's asking means... No, because you know that you're you going to get know. in trouble if you do. And he's got this little like this little ancient brain that's like, I should check first. <laughs> totally, totally. Same rules with di with diet. If you've got to ask, you know that you're you're about to do something that you shouldn't do. Almost always, yeah. If you have to ask against the diet rules, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's probably probably not really in the intent or the spirit of it. The other one that I think is kind of a really interesting nuance that I like to talk about is if the diet didn't work, it was probably your failed application of it. And I sometimes feel like when I say these statements, it, it's kind of with this air of this, like, I'm this all-knowing person and like have perfectly executed all of the things when in reality, <laughs> I'm just reliving my past failures yeah. here. And, and a great example of this is, you know, I started CrossFit back in 2006 and the CrossFit in the zone. The zone diet was the main diet du jour, of course. And for people that have been around the CrossFit community for some time, I'm sure you remember, Patrick. CrossFit originally prescribed pretty lean, we'll call them, zone mm -hmm. prescriptions, pretty aggressively low. <laughs> and I think there's some reason there for that. That could maybe be a podcast on its own. But I started at 15 blocks. And for the audience, I'm six feet tall. Mm. And of course, I was trying to do it on perfect paleo foods, which means there weren't a lot of hidden calories coming in from these different food sources. Yep. And, and basically what that means is I was shaking out to like eating 1500 calories a day. Well, at that yep. age and at my workout volume at that time, I probably needed at least 2,500, if not more mm. calories per day. So no surprise, I was starving, like completely starving. Yeah. And so what I would do to meet the zone was I would do the zone blocks, but then CrossFit also said that you could have you know, these, you could either do a cheat day or you could do like two or three cheat meals a week. And so I did the mm -hmm. couple cheat meals a week 
my God, they were epic. I mean, they were probably the largest. <laughs> I mean, they weren't really like one plate of food, right? They were like these yeah. two hour stretches of just like, what can I eat they were in like two hours? The, the rock style cheat meals. You ever see his cheat meals on, yes. on Instagram? Yeah, totally. Like totally out of control. And no surprise, I didn't really see any changes on the zone diet. Like I didn't get the six pack level of leanness or whatever. And and in the end, it's because I ended up eating so many calories in these cheat meals that my total calories were the same, if not higher than before I had started the mm. zone. Now, sure, we could say that the premise was off. Like, yeah, 16 blocks for my size and activity was just a little bit silly. silly like, But the lesson really isn't that the zone didn't work. Like, I don't love the zone for some reasons, but, it, but its premise and what it overall recommends is still quite good. What the lesson is, is that somehow the quality and quantity of foods that I actually ate, that I actually ate in real time, was not right at the physiological level. So we don't have to say that it was like the diet didn't work or the rules didn't work. That if, you know, we take some of these diets that are that are pretty good in terms of their messaging, whether or not that's zone or paleo or flexitarian, Mediterranean, I'll throw my 800 gram challenge, lazy macros mm -hmm. in there, even macros in there. If your diet's not working, it's not the diet per se. It's how you're applying the diet rules. There's something that you're not accounting for. There's something that isn't quite right. And so, you know, again, trying to bring this back to the black and white of my zone experiences. Yeah, I ate the 15 blocks and I did the recommended cheat meals or whatever like that. The nuance is, was total calories still matter? And I wasn't accounting for all of that. And so my second recommendation there for people is like, have the awareness, have the perspective that like diets are these shorthands and, and you aren't really working with the whole deck. And because of that, you're not always going to get the right outcome. Hmm. One thing that comes to mind or that I, I wonder about is, you know, the, this podcast, the consistency project is actually based on something that you built up before the podcast existed, mm -hmm. right? This simple tracker that you have on Optimize Me Nutrition that literally is just a yes or no on, and you might have to remind me, but the 800 grams protein intake, movement exercise. Exercise, or exercise yep. and sleep, right? Simple yes, no, did we get it? Where have you found, maybe where have you experienced loopholes in the pursuit of, you know, a hundred percent day? Mm -hmm. And I've, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I've got a little loophole that like mm -hmm. my sleep is like, I've got to be in bed at nine o'clock, which can Correct. be hard with a couple of little kids because sometimes it's <laughs> up to them. But like literally it happened last night. I was like, it was like 915. I was like, eh, close enough. There we go. <laughs> right. But like, where does that end? Is it 930? Is that too? Like, I don't, I don't know. Totally. Anyways, that's an aside. But this conversation is making me think that I've got to get a little bit stricter myself. But back to the question of the consistency project, where do you see folks maybe trying to find loopholes in maybe the other categories that we want to track? Totally. I mean, this is the problem, the general problem in quotes with challenges, leaderboards type of thing, trackers. It's like the do it for the points mentality, right? Even mm -hmm. in CrossFit gyms, I've been around them long enough. There's the problem of the rep shavers, right? Like what yeah. do we do about the people who cheat to get the score on the whiteboard? And sure, there are loopholes in the consistency project. It's a simple tracker. You could check off that you're doing the four things and not really doing them so that you see your yep. name at the top of the leaderboard. Yep. And there's a whole bunch of gray area with that too. And I like that you brought up the sleep one because, you know, for the consistency project, there's ways to assess whether or not you're getting enough sleep. And it's like, well, maybe you were in bed for that number of hours, yeah. right? But you actually were up all night, not necessarily looking at your phone, but planning out your day or stressed yep. for the next day. You didn't really sleep at all. Or, or maybe you're like, oh, I got exercise because I walked my dog, but that's not really the intent of it, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, exercise with some type of intensity or challenge type of thing or... And, you know, or 800 gram challenge on watermelon type of idea. So, yeah, there are yeah. there are tons of loopholes to all of this stuff. And 
And I, I already mentioned it's kind of like a lot of trackers. I really do have a love-hate relationship with trackers. I, I love them. That's one of the reasons mm -hmm. why I have a leaderboard that is sort of yeah. a daily simple tracker. I think it helps people drive adherence to these better practices. It's it, People like seeing progress. They like being rewarded in some way. And, and that's great. And we talked about that in the biohacking podcast that sometimes mm -hmm. these products just end up that people exercise more or maybe they just eat a little better. And, and that's the great outcome of them. The, the hate part of my relationship with them is the, that check the box mentality that like now because I did the thing and I said that I did the thing on my app, I am now better because mm -hmm. of that action. When really the tracker is actually one step removed from the action that matter. It's the actual working out that matters. It's the actual time that you are asleep that matters. It's the actual eating of the apple that matters, not necessarily what the app says. And so the tracker, the app, whatever it is, are trying to approximate a very complicated system. It's just like diet rules simplify the physiology from a nutrient perspective. These apps and these trackers are simplifying whatever system they are looking at. And I can tell you, I don't care how many different data points your app or tracker is collecting, it can still not describe all of the factors that are affecting your weight, health, and performance outcomes. It can't. And so we can't get so fixated on having a good score or having the data be right in the app and then never checking in with like ourselves in real time. Mm. Like, you know, maybe, you know, you have to get in bed by nine or whatever like that, but it's like, are you actually rested in the morning? Did you yeah. actually sleep? If we're talking about performance, like, are your workouts actually getting better? Is your deadlift going up? How is the diet mm -hmm. going? Are you actually losing weight? Like, I don't care what the app says. Right. <laughs> are you actually losing the weight? Are you actually gaining the mass? Whatever it is. And so real life, you know, has to be progressing just like the app is. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if it's not, then something in our application is wrong, regardless of what the app, the tracker, the points say. And, and typically, if they're going in different directions, like the app is telling me that, oh, I'm eating the right number of calories, but I actually am not experiencing weight loss, I'm willing to bet you found a loophole. <laughs> mm. I think we've talked about on the podcast before, you're just thinking about the consistency project, your plan, your goal to track every day for, I forget the length of time, yeah. but track every day long enough to actually get a sense of, well, what does a good score look like, right? Because totally. let's let's go ahead and assume that you're going to get a good score, right? You're, you're pretty dialed in on all these four metrics. So how is that process going? Have you been able to continue logging every day? And, and what does that look like? Right. Yeah. So at consistency.optimizemenutrition.com, as you mentioned, there's this kind of companion project to the podcast and it's just free. People are, can jump in at any time and start kind of tracking yes or no on those four items, 800 gram challenge, protein, exercise, and sleep. And I, I had started it, I don't know, maybe six months prior to our first podcast. Yep. And I had been, you know, making an effort to track, but then I was like, okay, well, this is my whole like messaging, right? Let me at least do it consistently post for a year and sort of yeah. see where I end up. And I do think that quote, I should have a good score, right? If this is what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. people should be doing, I should be doing them to some <laughs> level of proficiency here. And so I started yep. tracking in August. So we're almost five months done and yeah, it's going well. My score is averaging over a three because you get a point for each factor a day. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that a four is necessary because you're going to take days off from exercise, of course. And we're also not looking for perfection. It is shaking out to a little bit what I thought of how I do. Like 800 gram challenge is over 90% protein, I think is close to 90%. Exercise is somewhere in the 70s, I believe, which makes, makes sense, sense with rest yep. days. And then yep. sleep, 62%. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's <laughs> dragging you down. That's sleep one, man. But yeah, I mean, it's it's good in the sense of I do think the fact that I have to check in every day and actually be like, did I actually yeah. get the sleep? I think it's better than it would be without it. And that's sort of yeah. why I love it in the sense of I think it it's making me be more mindful of that. Maybe not so much on the 800 gram challenge. Yep. But there also are these funny times when I'm like at night, I'm thinking, well, shoot, I'm not going to get up at X hour because then I won't get my point. Right. Yep. <laughs> so you just have to watch yourself there. How do you measure sleep? Is it like you've got mm-hmm. a, you know, a Fitbit or a, an aura ring, or is it just like I was in bed at nine mm-hmm. and I got out of bed at six and that's how I'm going to estimate totally. my amount of sleep? Yeah. So I say that people have to get at least seven hours of sleep. And if they have some sort of tracker that actually measures time of sleep, they can use that to measure it. But if you don't have a tracker, like I don't, we measure it as time in bed. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously with the lights off, no phone, no other activities. I mean, it has to be seven and a half hours to account for kind of for like the falling asleep period. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's interesting. So the reason I have kind of a nine o'clock is because I've got, like I I mentioned, a four year old and a almost one year old and almost no nights do I get an unbroken. So the only thing within my control is, well, I have to be in in bed at nine and I'll usually read for 15 or 20 minutes. So that to me is like, that's the only thing honestly in my control and everything else after that. It'd be great if I got eight hours, but the chances yeah. are pretty slim. And so I'm going to just focus on the thing that I can focus on and try to win that. And then how the night shakes off is is not up to me. So totally. That was fun. That was a good conversation about loopholes. Just a reminder for folks to check out the membership option, members.optimizemenutrition.com and use the code free month for their first month for free. And thank you so much for listening. And thank you to all those who leave ratings and reviews. And if you like the show and you've got a friend who also might like the show, please share it with them. And we'll be back again soon for another episode of The Consistency Project. Hi, all. EC here. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Thank you as well for all the support for the five-star ratings and the reviews and for telling your friends or family about the podcast that really does help the podcast grow. And if you want to get the most recent info from me and be up to date on all of my content, the best place for that is my email list. So you can subscribe at optimizemenutrition.com slash email. I send out emails weekly-ish <laughs> and that's also the best place to get your question in the queue for Quick Bites episodes. So again, that's optimizemenutrition.com slash email and there's also a link in the show notes.